If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe Podcast family. That's spelled B L E A V. That is why on your favorite podcast platform, it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report and not the name I intended, the Comedy Bureau Field Report. But you know, it's two and a half years in, over 100 episodes. Who knows if it's going to ever change? And who cares? If you're listening, I'm thankful. Uh, but maybe if there were more listeners, then we could change the name because I don't, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Just tell people about it. It's fun. Even the indie, uh, comedy alt mm-hmm. newsletter has mm-hmm. a corporate overlord and that's, yeah. that's being alive in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody has a corporate daddy. The best you can do is have a sub stack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, big time! <laughs> and I may, I, and I do uh, support all of those alt rights mm-hmm. subsacks just for fun, just for fuzzies? just to let the fucking culture war fucking flame out. Yeah, that. Give me uh, what's that one woman the that got like fired from the New York Times opinion, like Brie something. I'm gonna look her up. Right, but I'm I'm all up on her substack, and she's like. Right. The genocide in Israel is all okay, and you should not worry about it. I'm like, let the flames rise, baby. <laughs> wow, you're. Uh, this is like. This is a very combative intro for me because right, right. I'm not actually this combative. No, in real life. no. I, the, I mean, the voice that you're hearing right now is the voice of a sweetheart comedian, such uh, funny. Uh, uh, I'd say rising star in the L.A. comedy scene and uh, probably the funniest store guy at the store, at the comedy store. Oh, there's I mean, I'm competing with a lot of people for that. Yeah. I mean, everybody who works the door at the store is a comedian. Yeah. But uh, I I mean, you know, maybe I'm biased, but that's how um, the favorites in comedy work. Please give it up for Alex. Hannah, everybody. Hey, clap, 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 clap. Thank you so much. Yeah. How's it going, Alex? Oh, I'm loving life big time. I'm living La Vida Loca. That's <laughs> what I say to people. Sometimes I mean it. Sometimes right. I don't mean it. Mm-hmm. But you got to speak out into existence how, how you want to feel. How have saying that? Like, you know, post-pandemic. I right. think everybody came out of the pandemic like mm-hmm. depressed as all fuck. Yeah. Um. So I just kept saying it over and over again uh-huh. until I kind of believed it. And things have gotten better. So right. it's like, you know, now I mean, I'm that's how manifesting actual. works. That is the secret. That's a secret. Yeah. And, you know, I never read that book, but you people don't have given to. me the outline enough that I'm like, oh, OK, I kind of know 
the gist. Yeah, I mean, I'm oversimplifying the secret, but if you set goals and you put place things in your life that remind you, like, hey, fucker, you want to achieve these goals, right? Um, you might have a better chance of achieving them. Yeah, maybe. And there's a big asterisk on that. Yeah. But uh, also, you know, you have to be capable enough to do those goals yeah. and work on yourself Absolutely. and do all of the other work. Right. But uh, this isn't a secret podcast. This is a damn L.A. comedy podcast. L.A. And uh, New York. And New York. Yeah. And co just comedy as an art form and a business. But with that said, I, I have to know, uh, have you had a weird window of time saying live in La Vida Loca with that Ricky Martin controversy? Oh, I don't think that got enough play for it to be. It didn't. It really didn't. Even though he's like a weird incestual pedophile, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, allegedly. allegedly. Yeah. And I do have to put allegedly because, yeah. uh, hey, I do not want the wrath of Ricky Martin. Right. And his case got thrown out. It did it? Yeah. It, or like it, it, the claim got thrown out like his name is cleared for now. Well, I mean, they can't touch Ricky. They haven't been able to touch Ricky no. two, since 2003 when Livin' La Vida Loca came out. Oh, wait. Is this a pattern, Alex? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Hey, you can't touch rich folks who, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, Unless they're on the Real Housewives. They, I think there was a Real Housewife that like went down for like insider trading or something. Yeah, like I yeah. think so, too. Martha Stewart. But yeah. it's only women. Hey, hey <laughs> folks, have you noticed this? It's only women who get taken down off of positions of power. Wow. I, I did hear this secondhand, and this was several years ago, but I think in an interview, Anthony Jeselnik um, just said, man, America hates women. They really do. Yeah. And even, like, what, when people are trying to, like, give me things where it's, like, a counterbalance for, a, a, like, a, a mm. good thing, it'll always be some sort of, like, hatred of women. And I'm like, whoa, I'm not going to do that. Right. But, I, you know, your head is probably in a correct place culturally, <laughs> which is very sad, but, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. That, that's progress, question mark, question yeah. mark? I get, hey, yeah. everything uh -huh. is progress if you see it, it being progressive. Mm -hmm. And that's the saying of the day. Everything's progress if you see it as progressive sure progress is in the eye of the beholder everybody mm -hmm. and that's why we are where we are <laughs> yeah <laughs> well also jake is paying all my medical bills for the next three and a half years so yeah. that's progress for me yeah absolutely. thank you so much for that you're very very welcome and i'm bankrupting him he has no money left <laughs> but uh we're in it uh, have you ever taken improv classes, Alex? Have I taken improv classes? Or done improv? UCB 101, baby. Worst class of my life. Well, I wasted tell me all about it. $450 on that bullshit. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I, I was uh, uh, tarred for actually being funny, uh -huh. and people did not get me, and I felt like a lunatic in right. that class every right. day. Right. And uh, my parents and sister came to the graduation show, and I felt very embarrassed. That oh, you got a bunch that. of notes after getting laughs? Yeah, it was just like you can't do like kind of rehearsed stuff, uh -huh. and it's like this isn't rehearsed. I'm just like actually funny. <laughs> and so, you know, that like got me, you know, a little bit of a – the teacher was like, you know, you got to, hey, you got to actually view this as like an improv, improv. And right. I was like, I'm trying to, but right. all of these people kind of around me are uh, not mm -hmm. good people. Or right. just they have, I, I'd been doing comedy like five years at that point. So right. 
I kind of knew the beats. Right. And there also, were a lot of... Also, that's how you know you're a stand-up. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to wait on other people. I mean, improv is very much like a team thing. I Yeah. And as much as I'd like to be a team player, I I am not... When it comes to like comedy and it being like, you know actually comedy right i'm not a team player about that it needs to be funny <laughs> yes with that said how are you going to crush the other door guys at the store to be a, a paid regular um just through sheer force of will and being a big dog yeah you know at the end of the day that's what it takes they the guy who got hired with me kyle irby he mm-hmm. just got past these mm-hmm. last few months oh cool because they did like a round of auditions right but i mean there have been people there for a long time who just haven't been passed right and it's like a little politics a little bit just like you know placement and comedy and you know skill and stuff like that so i mean we'll see right what happens with all of those folks i just Uh, hope mm -hmm. that i you know get my spot eventually right no i mean there are a lot of forces at work at the store i mean certainly emily is probably the best it's been in a long time. Yeah, Emily LaFour, don't mean to blow up her spot. I'll yeah. give her, if you pay me $1,000, I'll give you her email address and you can bother her. She gets 50,000 emails a day mm-hmm. from the most obnoxious comedians you've never heard of. Right. And don't they have somebody else set up to send avails? Like, you don't do it for through Emily, right? Yeah, it's another guy, Quincy Weekly, and his email is $2,000 <laughs> if you want to send him... And you also got to grease his palm if you want to get on the list. Uh-huh. How many people do I have to recruit so I don't have to pay your medical bills for the rest of the, these three years? Oh, it's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so it's as long as you get three people under you and then three more people under each of those three people, I think with nine people under those people. Right. I think I'll do good. like a GoFundMe Ponzi scheme. It'll be a GoFundMe to like like fund two other GoFundMes. Uh-huh. And then it'll just like. Well, that would be a classic LA comedy. (laughs) 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 That would be a classic East Side LA comedy Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Because there's been a few people who have done that. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. And I'm not naming names, but hey, everybody sees that. Oh, for sure. Well, not everybody because it at least gets off the ground. It does get off the ground. Uh, Brendan Cooney had this fun bit that somebody Mm -hmm. was telling me about. Yeah. Uh, Another LA podcast. Big dog, yeah, Brendan Cooney, Headlining very funny the guy. Chatterbox this Sunday, big Headlining deal. the Chatterbox, very funny guy. But uh, he does this bit where if somebody has a GoFundMe in comedy, he'll uh, give them five dollars under the moniker Dane Cook, <laughs> so that people see that and are like, Dane Cook only gave five dollars. What a piece <laughs> of shit! <laughs> great bit. That is a great bit, and uh, somehow still makes Dane not. Like, that's probably one of the most likable things that he's done. Oh, yeah. You mean, like... In the idea that it would really Wedding a 19-year-old and Mm -hmm. also seeing her when she was... Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly seeing her when she was younger. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make him a good guy. Color me shocked. (laughs) Man. I I know that, like, to some older generations, the word optics is probably triggering. But, like, Uh come on, man. You can't see, like, that there's, like, a problem with this. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think Dane Cook sees outside of himself. I no. think it's just all like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to grab whatever is good for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I respect that in a man who has to, you know, 
make millions of dollars, Mm -hmm. but for everybody else, and especially for him, I'm like, yeah, gross. But does he have to make millions? Because Sam Jackson has set up a life where he has to make millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, I think if you have one of those, like, big houses in the hills, like, you have to pay the government all of that money (laughs) for, like, property taxes and stuff like that. So you still got to keep rolling it in and raking it in. That's why, I mean, you know, R.I.P. Paul Walker, but he had it figured out where he, like, slept in his, like, uh, Escalade by the beach and just woke up and surfed. Yeah. Yeah. Smart man. (laughs) Yeah. That's, like, I mean, that's the dream. That, like, if I made it in comedy, I would just buy a small house in Seattle and just, like, live there for the rest of my life. Kind of like um, uh, a few people have done that mm-hmm. around the country. I mean, George Carlin did that when he, like, bought his, like, right. weird small house in Connecticut. I mean, you really, you really, I mean, in, in truth, you can do it, but you have to, like, really hone and carve out your career. Like, I, I yeah. point people to Adam Caton Holland. Mm-hmm. Adam's, like, the king of Denver. Yeah. Uh, owns a house, has a family, a dog, um, and tours around the country. Is like a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Um, Sam Talent. Sam Talent does the same thing. Opens for um, Tim Dillon and uh, has a book and makes right. money like selling mushrooms. <laughs> very funny guy. One of the best guys I've I've met like once. Right. Uh, very casually. Right. I wonder if Sam has ever gone on stage and pretended he's Tim. Just like with, if you took off the that glasses. Is, yeah, <laughs> that is a good bit. <laughs> they are kind of like a very similar energy too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Sam is less like prod. I feel like Tim really likes to, you know, go under people and. Oh, t- Tim is, he knows. How he's to a re- rascal. He knows how to read and he knows, like, it was very telling years and years and years ago. This is definitely pre-pandemic. I saw Tim play good heroin. Yeah. Which Tim now, people would think, like, Tim at a Echo Park show? Um, but he was watching the show. He read the crowd, and he knew exactly what to do. Yeah. And he didn't even do the Bill Birth. Bill likes to go at, like, alt shows or smaller indie shows and, like, say whatever he thinks that might upset them and dig himself out of a hole. Yeah. Uh, he'll also do the same thing in the South. So he'll, he'll like talk about gun control and mm-hmm. shit like that. Or abortion. Yeah, yeah. That, like, uh, that's, I know a comic is capable when they do that. It's unfortunate that that's like kind of the purview of a lot of comics right now. Sure. Because it's like, uh, you're, you know, you're inciting a lot of like, not, not, other people to view it that way mm-hmm. but a lot of new comics to view it that way right and when i was like at open mics and stuff like that mm-hmm. um i would just be like oh i see exactly what you're doing and you're not bill burr please no. stop no please stop yeah absolutely but yeah. that's like if you want to if you're new at comedy mm-hmm. and you um and this is advice from an idiot <laughs> but uh if you're new at comedy and you're like oh i want to be like one of those guys like Burr or Jesselnick or all of those like kind of confrontational people I would like I would say to yourself you're not that guy you're not that uh you should try to do something that's a little bit more uh finding jokes and then building on a persona yeah also for those people that uh idolize Burr I feel like a lot of them forget that like there's always this sort of out that Bill has that he reminds people of 
like in every hour for the last, I don't know, 15 years, he'll always be like, but I'm an idiot. Yeah. Like he explicitly, definitively is like, why the fuck would you ever listen to me? Yeah, he's an idiot. He has rage problems. Yeah. And this is nothing that he hasn't talked about, but it's right. like, you know, uh, sometimes I'll see it up close and personal and I'll just be like, oh, yeah, I get like I get where it's coming from. And it's very authentic. Right. But if it's not that authentic type of voice, then you can't. Right. You can't just put it on. Yeah. Everybody sees it as a put on. Yeah, it's a stunt. And I feel like, I mean, I think, you know, there's iterations of that in every corner of comedy and every class and generation. I mean, I feel like for a time, a version of that that really upset me is like so many comics trying to be like Tim Heidecker. Oh, yeah. And like, I mean, you know, Tim is, you know, for a lot of people divisive. Mm hmm. But definitely, like, he knew how to do comedy in a normal way and then just decided to, like, really upend everything in the form. And then a bunch of people just wanted to copy that and not learn how to do it. Yeah, I think also when you're, like, especially when you're trying to, like, break the form like that, it's because he had Eric uh, for a long time, like, yep. in his ear just being, like, okay, that works, but we got to do it like this right. other way mm -hmm. as like a straight man. And you got to have, if you're going to break the form, you have to have somebody who you trust. Right. Also guiding you to like not be just like completely out there and kind of lose momentum. Right. Because comedy is kind of like an art based on momentum mm -hmm. if you actually see it right. done well. Right. Um. But hey, I I teach at the LA School of Comedy. My oh, classes yeah. are fifty thousand dollars a year. Wow, man! Soon is really. I should really took her up on her offer to run the school. I saw she offered you to run the school. Yeah, kind of loosely. Yeah. Yeah, I I met her because she's a paid regular at the comedy store, and, and she's I watched a regular her set at all the big clubs. Right? On all the big clubs, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, um, I get how she got success. I don't think it translates to a modern form of comedy anymore. Right, right. Just because it's like a lot of like, you know, Puerto Rican jokes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. I mean, there is a way of thinking that I think is definitely um, going, not going, I think is been out of style where like you think of your comedy in these boxes and like you, you have as many boxes as you could have. You're like, oh, I got Puerto Rican jokes, I got Jewish jokes, yeah. I got jokes for the Palestinians. Yeah. Oh, you're 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 uh, Muslim or you're, um, you know, uh, Mormon. I I got jokes mm -hmm. for those too. The basis for punchline, the that right. Tom Hanks movie, <laughs> yeah. that Barry Sobel was like the creative producer for, and like gave all of his comedic input into. And like wrote the jokes for awful movie, bad movie. It's like I got Asian jokes, I got Chinese jokes, mm -hmm. I got jokes about women being obnoxious. Right, classic comedy. Barry would probably hate that I would say this, but the Tuesday open mic at the Kibitz Room in Canners, sometimes he'll show up, and he's the funnest part of the mic, especially considering. He was huge in the eighties. Huge in the eighties. Yes, like a mon like HBO specials. Oh yeah. Huge in the 80s. I mean, and I generally, genuinely, for how weird that open mic is, because you're not allowed to curse or be loud. Yeah. <laughs> Barry is very fun to watch in this, like, essentially dead room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I believe that. <laughs> He's a crazy person who is insane and also bad, mm -hmm. but allegedly. 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 
and I can't speak on that anymore. But uh, <laughs> if you want to confront me in real life, right. my address is mm-hmm. seven nine two one Gibraltar <laughs> Boulevard nine zero two two zero. Okay, we're back. <laughs> You want me to cut that out? No, it's a fake address. I know it's a fake address. <laughs> I don't, it's not, it doesn't exist. Sure. It's not on the planet. Right. It just exists in my mind. You did give it a California zip code, though. Yeah, but nine, no, 9220 is not a California zip code. Oh, well, I just started with nine. That's why. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, what, all right, so you being, uh, how long have you been a drug guy at the comedy store, Alex? I got hired three months before the pandemic. Right. Literally, I auditioned right before Christmas. I heard... To Adam or... Emma? To Adam Egget. Yeah. The very famous Adam Egget. Yeah, the booker of the still not existent... Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan Comedy, Comedy Club. Club. Yep. Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, hook 'em Horns, etc. <laughs> um yeah, uh, truly a great guy. One of the one of the like sweetest, kindest guys. Very neurotic a very in tune with comedy like uh i don't say this about a lot of bookers mm-hmm. but the two people that they have at the store right now and it is because they like my comedy mm-hmm. but uh the That's two fine. people that they have at the store right now mm-hmm. are like very intuitive about um you know comedy and what it means to be like an artist in comedy and i really respect uh their opinion mm-hmm. and adam hired me because uh I had a good set of potluck and right. um, Luke Schwartz gave me an introduction to him nice. and was like, Hey, this is a very funny guy. Right. And they had two opening two spots open for door guys. And so wow. he was like, do you want to be a door guy? I met, I, I didn't hang out at the store mm-hmm. at all because yeah. I didn't like it. Right. Um, Cause I liked doing comedy and you can't do comedy at the store unless you want to do like bring your shows. Right. So I didn't hang out there. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the managers or anything. So I met all the managers mm-hmm. um, and they were like, are you going to do heroin at the store? <laughs> I was like, probably not. Right. Uh, and they were like, are you going to show up? And I was like on time. Uh, and they were like, that's not even what we asked. You could not show up on time and that would be cool. But I'm like, I'm going to show up on time. And they're like, we love you. Um, wow. And no, so like no other interview in the world there. Yeah. We, I had a 30, uh, I had a 30 minute interview with this guy, Jody, who was a former GM there. Mm-hmm. We talked about, um, loving Rodney Dangerfield mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, then I was hired got the email mm-hmm. a little bit after Christmas. It was a great Christmas present. And then the pandemic hit three months later and I was out of a job oh. uh, for a year and two months. Damn. Yeah. Did you get unemployment? No. Because no. I didn't qualify for it. What? Like they kept rejecting my claim. Why? I have no idea. I mean, you were actual like hired employee. No, I know. Yeah. I Hey, this is why I don't like Trump. Mm-hmm. And this is an auxiliary reason, but it's because California denied my unemployment claim. So I was just like, you know, but they help the the comedy store helped me out. They gave me like a few checks. Oh, cool! Into the pandemic, right? Absolutely. Um, um but uh, the first set I had there, Adam Egget, I was sitting in one of the back booths, and I like had a really good set. You know, it was my first time on the main stage, right. which is like 
at that time was like 350 people just like looking at me, right. judging me, sure. seeing if this kid has it. Uh-huh. And he was in the back and he came, kind of gave me one of those Carson right. OKs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you corny ass idiot. <laughs> But I love you, you know. Sure, sure, sure. So funny to continue that tradition. Oh yeah, I mean the people in those positions they love relishing little little gestures like that. Little yeah, little expressions of power. It's fun. Yeah. Um. What? So being a door guy at the store through all this time, what what is your state of the comedy store? What do you see as how it's come back and where it is in the scene in LA and in comedy? Um, I, well, I think it, I mean, it's always been kind of like quintessential to comedy. Absolutely. And I don't, you know, I'm not one of these guys that likes to give a lot of things gravitas. Like mm-hmm. I think, you know, everybody who does comedy and does it well is like, you know, a very like important in their own way. Right. Um, Because there are so many good scenes around the country and there are so many like good comedians where Mm -hmm. it's like, but if you want to be famous, like you kind of got to go through the store Mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are like other people who like beat that mechanism, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Rory Scovel, Pete Holmes, Nick Thune, all of those guys. But even they, when they get the chance, perform at the store. So Um, but like if you're like Sebastian Maniscalco Mm -hmm. was like. A bar, like a bartender waiter down the street for right. like years mm-hmm. and would like take a 15 minute break just to perform at the store. Wow. Cause it's like how you get your bearings. Right. Bobby Lee, Mark mm-hmm. Marin, all of these people were door guys, David Letterman, you right. know, right, right, right. Prior would be there for like a week on end, just working out jokes mm-hmm. to craft, you know, all of these people. Um, and then even like Ari Shafir mm-hmm. was a door guy there for a long time. Right. And, the people like ahead of me and my like before me, you know, have gotten all these opportunities to do things in Hollywood mm-hmm. that I don't think they would get if they were like not kind of at the store. And then just like in a bigger way, I think it's like, you know, every comedian who's doing like Netflix specials is there all the time. Oh, sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. You're Taylor Tomlinson's. You're Eliza Schlesinger's. I mean, Netflix brass only has to drive down Sunset a bit to go to the store. Yeah, which is, like, I think that's why comedy was so bad for a long time is because mm. none of the studios who, like, produce comedy, right. they're all in, like, Burbank, and so they saw, like, mm-hmm. janky-ass comedy. Yeah, we're going to the Ha and Flappers. Yeah, you know what a, an, an insane story about the Ha Ha is? Uh, what, about uh, Gabriel Iglesias? Oh, do you do you already know this fact? Uh, I think I do, but please share for the pod. For the pod? Uh, so Gabriel Iglesias is like the biggest comic right now. Yeah. Arguably. Yeah. Um, uh, and he like sold, he sold out Dodger Stadium for two nights, mm-hmm. completely sold out. During Netflix's Joke Fest this During year. During Netflix's Joke Fest this year. And he doesn't perform at the store. One, because he lives in Long Beach. But two, because he has like this obligation to the Ha Ha Cafe, Mm -hmm. which is this awful place in North Hollywood that they do shows. And I will do a show there, (laughs) even though I just said that I'll I'll still perform there if you give me 10 minutes. But um, he has an obligation to them because they're the person they're the people who put him up when he was like a young comic. Right. So he's like, oh, I have this like familiarity with the haha ha cafe so i'll drop in there right do some sets every once in a while right 
great guy. Yeah. And yeah, no other club would put him up at the time. So, you know, he stays loyal. Although I can't Im- just imagine Fluffy going up at haha and then him saying something like, you know, this is the club that put me up when I had nothing going for me. And so, you know, come back here. And it's like, well, you know, they kind of put up anybody. Yeah, they really do put up anybody. <laughs> yeah. The worst thing. Uh, yeah, I, I I had so many bad interactions with Ahaha when I sure. first moved down to L.A. Mm-hmm. Like people big dogging me and thinking <laughs> they were like better at comedy than me and, right. you know, you know, more successful because they were doing shows. Sure. Uh, and, you know. It's just like an awful place full of right. sometimes awful people and sometimes great people. I mean, I've, you know, there are everybody's trying to get stage time. So sure. I don't fault anybody for performing there. It's just like if you're right. also a dickhead off stage, I'm like, OK, well, right. I won't hang out here because it's right. Like, and it's there's a great irony that's happened over the last year where there is a club that literally opened down the street from. Ha-ha. Well, they actually call it the Ha Comedy Club. Like that's an improvement. Um, the Comedy Chateau which had such an opportunity to be like a better club than anything that existed in the Valley, but it sadly has become worse. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about that place except Mm -hmm. for like, you know, weird on the street stuff, but uh, it seems like Mm -hmm. they're, they get people out. Well, like remember there was a time where, Uh but like before, yeah, definitely before Emily and Adam, you know, during Tommy's years, those dark years that Tommy uh, was the booker at the comedy store. Yeah. um, Where there was more, currently there's only one bringer show that I'm aware of at the store that Vargas runs. Uh, Yeah. Vargas runs a show. I think there's like a funny women show nowadays that is starting back up. But there used to be way more. There used to be about, because they would do like two shows a night in the Mm -hmm. belly room. They were all bringers. It would be like um, about 10 Mm -hmm. different bringer shows that I knew about. Right. And for those who don't know, because that I thought I thought for a time that that was gone. Uh, bringer show is a show where you get stage time by bringing people, um, you know, which in concept doesn't sound so terrible. However, how it's executed makes it like one of the worst things in comedy where they book anywhere from 15 to 25 to 30 comedians on a lineup. Yeah. And if you don't bring anybody, you don't get to go up. That's right. Yeah. And also, I mean, if you're starting out in comedy Mm -hmm. and you suck (laughs) and, you know, you need to get the reps in, like, I get doing a bringer show, but also, like, exploiting your friends and family. Right. So they pay, like, $100 for, like, parking and drinks and tickets to watch you like be bad at comedy right is uh not fun for anybody no and will break up doug benson has a very funny story about that of like yeah. starting out and like ruining relationships <laughs> with everybody that he knows because right. he was trying to do like bringer shows oh yeah hey, yeah it's like a it's one of the nightmare versions of comedy yeah and honestly you'll probably feel less worse doing an open mic oh 100 percent. yeah 
there are actually good open mics where you can like test out material and figure out what your voice is. Yeah. At a at a bringer show, nobody finds their voice. No. They're just trying to not suck. Yeah. <laughs> Which usually uh, amounts to them doing an impression of another comedian. Yeah, your burrs. Yeah. Your, your uh, oh, the worst one is anybody who tries to do Stanhope. Yeah. Yuck. A lot of, lot of <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, hot girl comedy is a thing. Yeah. And, like, there are a lot of people copying Eliza and Whitney. Oh, big time. Yeah. Which, man, what a hard style to cop. Yeah. Because also... They lived a life that you won't ever live. Right. Like, you know. So um, it's hard to cop a style from somebody who you're putting on airs. Right. By what, copying them. What, why Why can't people be more influenced like by Beth Stelling? <laughs> yeah. Well, even Beth Stelling is influenced by a lot of people. Right. You see, but they're like, her comedy influences are like, and she could probably say that I'm wrong about this. Right. I don't know her that well. Right. I've I only have Just a casual a, relationship with her. Stick a big fat her. allegedly in there. But allegedly. <laughs> yeah. She. I mean, she's like she goes through a lot of like different old styles of comedy in oh, order yeah. to get to where she is, oh, and yeah. a little yeah, and a little bit new version of like. Mm-hmm. Kanani, like all that Chicago sure. influence, right? But those were all her peers, you know, yeah, at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, because you're even like what people don't know going into comedy is like you'll change, mm-hmm. um, but and the biggest influence in your life, and I'm sure the biggest influence in your life is uh, your peers and like who oh, you sure. respect right. and who you kind of want to emulate and like be right. better than in like a competitive way, right? Absolutely. There cool. were people like that for me, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Ahmed Weinberg. This is you back know. at Echoes Under Sunset? Yeah. Yeah. Jack Knight, Keith yeah. Johnson. Right. And I wasn't doing a style anywhere similar to them. Right. But I was like, oh, they're, like, doing comedy in a very, like, succinct way. Right. Absolutely. And I should try to emulate, like, their right. kind of quality of it. Right. Man. Yeah. Th- Connor McNutt, Devin Costa, mm-hmm. Jay Savory. Ryan Shoemaker, all of these people. Pedro Salinas and Ashley Hamilton lived here at the time. Yeah. They live in New York now. Mm-hmm. Ashley has a big podcast now. Yeah, and a great weekly show. Just, yeah, good just weekly, come. yeah. Yeah. Man, and I don't think she's been back to L.A., or at least not that I've been she, aware. I think she came for like a moment. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, that was the time. There was a venue called Echoes Under Sunset that briefly had its time uh, as Echoes on Pico. It was like a place to go and echo park for a few years and la weekly named it like the best comedy club in la mm-hmm. and then the owner- it would be crazy because like maria bamford would stop in right. do like a set yeah. rory scovel would stop in do a set like yeah. all of these like big people who yeah. lived in like silver lake right eagle rock stuff like that it had a perfect location for yeah yeah what it was and it very f- much felt like a community vibe and they had open mics almost every night of the week and that's why all these people that are coming up now uh, were all together at that time. Hannah yeah. Einbinder. Hannah Einbinder got it was the start first, there. Yeah, first time. I remember I was at her first open mic, yeah. You're dressed like Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, for the same reasons that Billie Eilish dresses like Billie Eilish. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Still, But she did her conceptual comedy. I don't think she had sound cues yet. No, I think she was just... Well, she was doing like... Um, 
she was doing like old kind of Catskills type comedy. Right, right, right. Like, um, but she, ironically, kind of. Iro- but ironic, like a new face of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean everything's like tinged with irony now, sure. just because it's sure. like, you know, you got to take a slant. Well, that's what I wonder about. I was just talking about this with a few other people over the last few weeks of like drag performers doing like technically like bits during their performance. Mm-hmm. Which like I, I get and it's funny and of course valid, but Bob the drag queen. Yeah, but yeah. from what I've seen, outside of very few exceptions, maybe like Meatball, it's all like this ironic, like old school. Yeah, because yeah, it's you, I mean that ironic old school thing jives with like the camp nature, yeah, right, of drag queen like behavior. Yeah. So when is it gonna evolve? Is my question. That's it. I think there has to be somebody who like kind of pushes it. Yeah. In order to evolve or like shows a different style can exist. Yeah. But also, I, I mean, all of those, every comedian is like influenced by the time that they're at. Sure. And, you know, every art form is influenced by the time they're they're at. So right. it's like you need somebody okay. who's like kind of a genius to like push it forward. That's why I'm thankful that I've seen Scoville and Maria and Pepitone as much as I have. Yeah. Oh, I love Eddie. Eddie yeah. is one of the few like real alt people at the store. Yeah. And it's so, kind of amazing that he's there. Yeah. But I mean, everybody loves Eddie. Like yeah. he's such like a lovable guy yeah. and he got so many like recommendations from people. It, as, it was like, kind of crazy that it took that long for him to get past. He's been like a LA like icon for a long time. Yeah. But I mean, I think every, everything has to like, pan out in order for you to like Mm -hmm. be at the store you have to have a little heat for anything to like really coalesce in la right just because there's so many fucking people i mean he's always kind of been in a little boil from uh, you know that rose to a bigger boil now and again but yeah but i love eddie um yeah what and we'll get into the death segment now one of the things that i was talking to yeah there's a death segment on this podcast i was talking to chris estrada about this and he was uh he was talking to me about how jack knight's death really like affected him yeah and i don't want to speak out of turn or say anything like too private Mm -hmm. but one of the things that really affected him was he was talking to Paige weldon another very funny la comic yeah and she was like it sucks that Jack died at like 28 because he was part of the scene. Mm-hmm. And there are like maybe 40 or 50 people who like get every reference that all of the people who started at the same time get mm-hmm. like the chips at Echoes or right. the blender at the Tribal Mike Cafe that would drown you out. Yeah. Like all of these like little like annoyances mm-hmm. of doing comedy and such like a remarkably unremarkable way right um that it's like oh okay well what a what a very sad thing mm-hmm. that the like knowledge just dies with all, this person right but and that's a death segment for the show <laughs> that is the death segment i mean you know i think there there's a tragedy to sort of engage with with that but also like you know, people, not that it was anywhere near as tragic, but, like, when Meltdown ended, people kind of, like, mourned that in mm-hmm. a way because it was, like, that was the end of an era. Yeah. And it was. Never got booked. So, honestly, that place could get fucked. <laughs> I got recommendations. Never right. booked me. Right. Did you, yo, you did rock paper all the time like I did, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was literally right across the street from Meltdown. 
uh, Meltdown Comics where Meltdown with Jonah and Camille was every Wednesday. In fact, you could do the six o'clock mic, and then if you hung around for the whole thing, you'd only have to kill a little bit of time before Meltdown started. That's right. Yeah. But um, no, I when talking to people about it, there is there is a sadness that it is gone, but I think that there's something beautiful in that um, there's there's a crystallization of all that shared memory that we all have of that person or of that thing that will forever just like be a thing that we all have together and will all always connect us. Uh huh. And I think that is how I like to sort of like see the silver lining in it. Yeah. Yeah. As much of a silver lining as there can be, just because yeah. it's like you know. He was uh, a, a, a force. Oh, sure. So it's, you right. know, you hope that that force lasts for a long time. But. I was trying to think of the name of this, Mike. Remember, it's it was like across the street from Sabora y Cultura, and it was this, like, burrito place that was so weird looking. It had two pool tables. Yeah, um, uh, uh, the taco place. It was like, oh, oh, I do remember that. Yeah, because yeah. I remember... And it, that girl, Kate, ran it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember very, like, one of my lasting memories of jack was like talking outside with him and he's like i watched all the specials i know everybody's act chelsea yeah. and he started like trying to do chelsea peretti yeah and like i mean this guy he's dedicated he's really dedicated yeah yeah, yeah. he pays attention mm-hmm. more than i pay attention i'm just kind of doing my own thing <laughs> yeah yeah i i know everybody's act at the store sure uh but uh it's just because i've been watching it every day for like you know two years now yeah so uh, you know everything you know trickles in with that in mind how would you describe don barris to people uh don barris is a madman (laughs) who uh, is opens for Kimmel for some opens reason. opens the Kimmel show every day <laughs> and then after he's done he's done at like four o'clock because yeah. that's when he gets off Kimmel yeah he'll waste some time at his apartment and then go to the comedy store around midnight go up at twelve thirty, do the most insane if you're not ready for it, off-putting act <laughs> that anybody has seen. He talks about eating a squirrel's vagina in a story. He right. talks about like bees getting sucked off. Right. It's, it's even like, alt from alt. It's, I think it's, yeah, it's alt from like the eighties version of comedy. Sure. Like if you were like, Oh, okay. What if, um, uh, who's the hickory dickory doc guy? Oh, uh, uh, um, with the leather jacket. Yeah, leather jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it'll, it'll come in a second. Yeah. It, Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay. Thank yeah. you so much. Gl- leather gloves cut off, fingertips. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew Dice Clay. If 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 you were like looking for an alt version of Andrew Dice Clay that I was actually like pushing boundaries, mm-hmm. it would be kind of Don Barris. Right. Um, and he, mm-hmm. before the pandemic... He would do two and a half hours Jesus. of comedy where he would like bring people on stage. <laughs> and I did, hey, I did want to set up a sniper's roost in the comedy store and take him out for the first, <laughs> you know, months of me working there where I had to sure. just 
be at the back door, right. kind of like already working for nine hours, right. and then realizing I have to work for another hour and a half because <laughs> Don Barris really has to get this bit out. But um, yeah, he's like a he's he's a troll uh-huh. in the most broad form because both he loves subverting mm-hmm. what you like about people, sure, and also he literally is a troll because he lives underneath the the stairs at the comedy store. <laughs> that is a great description. Yeah. Thank you for that. Who is your favorite person to watch at the store? Um man, that's a good question because there's so many like great comedians right now. Right. Who yeah. are like well, there's a lot of good people coming up. Like there's a lot of big dogs who like yeah. you know, Sebastian is always really interesting and weird I to see Marin's on fire Marin is really fucking funny yeah in a, and he does I love when Marin is like kind of silly mm-hmm. because it breaks the character for a second yeah and you get to see like what actually you know tickles the guy yeah and some people are kind of off put by it because they just want Marin's energy all the time right um, but he has this joke about how he set up like a laser force field <laughs> to like protect a golden egg in his atrium of his house. Uh-huh. And he'll like, sometimes he'll forget to shut it off. So he's like going up and down and weaving through the force field. And he does a whole act out too. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is like classic, like alt comedy, New York, like right, in the nineties right. and right. 2000s. Marin is really fun. Um, I mean, whenever like Chris Rock and, uh, Steve Martin dropped in to do Oscar jokes, right. and I was just like, as a as a lifelong comedy fan, I was like, this is the best experience I've ever had. Right. You know what a what a really ceremonious mm-hmm. occasion. Sure. Um, Aziz stopped in for a, a little bit, did right. like you know, ran in his hour in front of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor Tomlinson right. is a fucking dynamo. Yeah, like she's so fucking funny. Right. Um, and like a very, um, I think Taylor is a, uh, faithful torchbearer for like classical standout. Yeah. Like, she, uh, I mean, it's all just bits full yeah. fire. Yeah. But like, like definitive structured bits, but it's not like annoying. It's also so like genuine where it's like the punchlines aren't, you know, relevant to somebody else. They're right. like very you know, uniquely Taylor. Right. Um, there are like some people who I'd like to, Oh, earthquake earthquake just mm-hmm. got past mm-hmm. one of the funniest people on planet earth. Right. Like knows how to like treats it. Like it's at an auditorium every time. Right. Like it could be, it, it could be hundred people. Auditorium. She's he's played. Yeah. Literally like thousands of people. Right. And even when it's like, you know, a hundred people, he's still like, demonstrative and you know a huge force but um there are like a couple people who i haven't seen who i'd like to see but they're all new york people so right i I won't get to see him for a little while (laughs) oh lisa traeger lisa 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 traeger lisa lives here but lisa is one of the funniest people steph tolov just got passed yeah she's so funny and then there's like you know uh, people who are in past, like Simon Gibson, right. performs there every once in a while. Yeah, the funniest man on planet Earth. Si- Simon should just get the Kinison spot and then do his whole story yeah. about getting electrocuted. It'd be so funny. Yeah, people would love that. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of just like great acts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's like comedy is healthy right now. And, yeah? and it's healthy because some of like Rogan moved mm-hmm. to, to Texas. Right. Dalia got axed for alleged reasons. Yeah. And shout out to Emily for not letting him up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a, I mean a bunch of the management. Right. Yeah. Uh, for reasons that I can't get into. Sure, but, sure, sure. Uh, the, get, do, explain that a little more. Comedy is healthy because I feel like, you know, maybe stand-up comedy is healthy, but, like, interestingly, with your perspective, like, being in the depths of the store and, like, it's healthy, that's a, that's that's hopeful. Well, I it's healthy for a person who's doing well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, comedy isn't healthy if you're not doing it. It's like, it's like, you know, it's as strong as your act is as strong as you are. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that can be, that can put people off because there's this like hierarchy in comedy, just like there's this hierarchy in, in everything else. Right. Um, but, you know, you just got to help yourself in order to help other people. Like, right. And there are people doing that in LA comedy, like Dan Donahue during For the sure. pandemic really like helped himself and helped himself get out of town and headline other places. Right. Will Senate the same way mm-hmm. who I think is like so fucking funny. Right. A great guy. Right. So funny. Yeah. Um, you know, Dana Donnelly, Ellery Smith right. are running their show yeah. at hotel cafe Funnelingus. and sell it out like yep. every time, you yep, know, yep, yep. all these people, you know, are really, mm-hmm. you know, charismatic and really help themselves. Like, try to propel themselves upward yeah and i'm just a dink who works the door at the comedy store but (laughs) enough people seem to like me that it gets me enough that right i'm okay yeah i that said and i know it's like you're at the store so it's hard to get out but like i mean i mean you used to be in a manner of speaking like an east sider yeah and like uh, all those shows uh, you would do so well on them yeah, when I got my opportunity to, it's just at that time the East Side was also so healthy, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, okay, well I get why I'm not on this show because mm-hmm. they have a lot of, and I didn't always have that perspective uh-huh. because there were like a lot of people where I'm like, oh, okay, I don't understand this person isn't a killer, so I don't get why they got their spot. Right. But at a certain time, at a certain point, you gotta like say that that's just like bitterness. Right. And you can't like let your life be right. A bitter yeah. like, you know, right. personal it, attack. It's out of your control. And also, man, the being from out of town trick always works well on for getting spots. Yeah. Anybody coming from Denver or Austin mm-hmm. were really, you know, preferent yeah. like preferential. Which is crazy because I started in Seattle and none of those Seattle cats would come down right. and get spots. Mm-hmm. Even like, you know, people had been doing it a long time and like open for folks. Right. Seattle, I mean. Uh, I mean, Portland was such a good scene. Right. But that's because this guy, Nick Harris, who used to be the GM of Helium. Do you know Nick? Not personally. But yeah. yeah. He, he's like a really good guy and mm-hmm. became a manager down here in L.A. And um, he made it his mission mm-hmm. to like create the best comedy scene Mm-hmm. of the small cities right and was like putting up you know local talent mm-hmm. and none of that shit existed in mm-hmm. seattle right where it was like very much like 
you know, territorial, territorial, you know, one of these fight for your meals type places, which is always like it's so stereotypical small scenes. And it's like, why there's not so like, why are you fighting over all of this? And you're having policies where, oh, if you go up at this club, you can't go at our club. Mm hmm. It's just dumb. It's really stupid. And also, I mean, all of the people who manage clubs and kind of still manage clubs there are like, don't get it. Right. Um, And don't get that. It's like, oh, my success is also your success. What's Seattle comedy like these days? And why would you want to go back? Oh, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not bad. It's just like there aren't enough shows. Was there comedy underground still there? No, nah, it's it yeah. it got it's defunct. I took yeah. a picture of the closed down building when I was up there, mm-hmm. doing a bunch of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this new club called Club Comedy that's run by Rick Taylor, mm-hmm. which it's like, uh, you know, a hundred seat place. Mm-hmm. It gets packed out like every weekend. Right. There's Tacoma Comedy Club, which mm-hmm. is run by this guy Adam Norwind. Right. That you know is the A club there mm-hmm. that like you know packs out on big acts. Right. But it just—I mean—it depends. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like the greatest scene, but sure. you know it's still a nice place to be. And I love Seattle just right. for being there. Yeah. Also, smart crowds. Like right. that's the the thing that is bad sometimes. Mm-hmm about LA tourist comedy. It's mm-hmm. like you get dumbass fucking oh, crowds. Yeah. Or go into Orange County, you just mm-hmm. get fucking you know, like suburban right. only watch T V, like don't know right. like what's going on in the culture type crowds. That's what I find interesting. I feel like in New York, what I've seen is actually whether you play the clubs or indie shows or Manhattan or Brooklyn, there's like a there's like just this like nerve ending in everybody where you like conscious of tourists being at the show. Yeah. And outside of maybe like the store on the weekend, I don't think laugh factory. Yeah. The laugh factory people in a, comics in LA don't care about that. Nah. Well, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's all neighborhoods and stuff. Right. Like, especially on the East side, it's just all kind of like, you know, cool people mm-hmm. who like like comedy enough to come out to a show. Listen to podcasts. Listen to podcasts. Yeah. 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 I mean, most of the store people are like, oh, I heard on Joe Rogan's podcast that this mm-hmm. was like the mm-hmm. mecca of comedy. And or, well, I mean, Burtcast is big and people. Bert, yeah. Yeah. Bert Kreischer uh, is an idiot and he would say that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But he is one of the funniest people. Tom Segura, you yeah. know, all of those like class of people. Right. No, so that's funny. that's Bert's brand. Yeah. Yeah. He takes off his shirt still to this day. Yeah. Even though it's like, yeah, we, it's it's not even like surprising or shocking anymore. Mm-hmm. But people love it. It gets the people fucking ready to rock. Yeah. I think was it his last. It wasn't his last. It might have been his last special. He did with, entirely with his shirt off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um. Do you want to do some comedy news, Alex? Let's do some comedy news. Yeah. We talked for a, a while, you know. Let's yeah. get into the news. This Let's get into the news. First time on the list, uh, Daniels, that's uh, Daniel Kwan uh, and Daniel Scheinart, I think is uh, how you say it. Uh, creators, uh, yeah. I'll Swiss say Army Man. Of Swiss Army Man, yeah. Uh, which was their first sort of inroads and like one of their... Probably going forward still will be like a controversial, divisive work. Yeah, I really liked it when I saw it. Isn't that Daniel Radcliffe? 
Daniel, it's I, I think a lot of people relegated it to the Daniel Radcliffe farting zombie movie. Yeah. When it's actually more than that. It's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, I think well, that, the farting moment is just like one moment that yeah, people really clom onto. Yeah, but and I feel like in the way I, it's not their fault, but the way that the media and press handled it going from being a, like a like a festival darling onwards. Yeah. Made it like, well, it's that movie. Well, it's more than that. So um, they did that. And the highest grossing A24 movie uh, of A24's history, everything, everywhere, all at once. They uh, made that with the some guidance from the Russo brothers. Um, they get to ha- do a pilot at Showtime uh, with a New York comic who was uh, is a friend of Joe Para's and thus uh, on Joe Para talks with you, Nathan Min, and it's called Mason. Uh, and um, you know. It, it there's not very many details as to the pilot, but like it's supposed to follow the life of a guy who's named uh, Nathan, but everyone mishears it as Mason, and he's just looking for connection. That's funny. In a world that's very loud. Um, and if you've ever seen everything, everywhere, all at once, or even just seen the trailer, uh, I'm sure they'll do something crazy with it. Yeah. Uh, and that'll be very exciting, and I hope Showtime picks it up to series. Uh, in addition, they just got signed to a five-year deal at Universal, and I can only hope that they're actually given creative control and they're not going to be relegated into trying to solve how to make IP palatable to uh, artsy folks. I wish that they would just do like an even split where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you guys can do what you want and then we'll try to sell it the best way we can. But yeah. I mean, even that is like, you know, I'm, hard to do for it, the studio, which is crazy. Cause it's like with all the amount of research and history and data that goes into marketing, you'd figure that they could figure out a way to market something weird. Yeah. But they 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 want to seem to have their job done for them, you know. Yeah, and I feel like you know there's enough of mm-hmm. a, a space in entertainment for something that's like really off right. the wall. And I think you you know you see that right. with how fucking popular Nathan Fielder is. Yeah, like that's not like a uh, a broad comedy right. that kind of appeals to everybody. Right. It's a very like subvertive, manipulative show. Yeah, yeah. And that that like you know is like mm-hmm. completely in the eyes of the creator. Right. And so just you know let people do that. Yeah. If they're capable of doing that, I don't mean give the show to no- everybody and nobody. Right, right, but, right. You know if they're like a, a good. Uh, creative right. they'll find a way to make it into something i hope good. part of like them negotiating their five-year deal is that they're only going to do originals oh okay I, I i that's not stipulated but i i would hope because i just like there's enough people who watch stuff off of ip or reboots that like just keeps the monster going yeah, Top Gun 2. Yeah. A billion dollars. A billion dollars. And then, or even beyond that, like, the Russo brothers, the aforementioned Russo brothers, they came out with Netflix's two-day most expensive movie, $200 million for Gray Man. Gray Man. 
And uh, leading up to its release date on Netflix, it was uh, very commonly reviewed as the blandest movie of 2022. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, and you know what? I I joked about, like, wait, are people going to watch to see how bland it is? And I also did that. And it truly was that bland. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that you'll want, if you ever watch it, you'll be like, how do these guys direct Endgame? <laughs> hey, I I just heard that it was so boring that people had to shut it off like 40 minutes into the movie. Cause, like, I mean, I did get a lot of work done when I was oh, watching sure, it. Oh, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. You got to type some stuff out. Yeah. Well, I think the main issue with the Gray Man is that um, it didn't build enough of an exciting world or characters for me to care about. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the key success of John Wick. Yeah, or James Bond or yeah. all of those like yeah. kind of like leading man movies yeah. they have to be like somehow tortured right and it feel ryan gosling doesn't seem like except for in the place behind the pines mm-hmm. where they purposefully make him look like mm-hmm. kind of out like out of his mind right except for that ryan gosling can play that man he, he looks too great <laughs> yeah like he looks like you know not he doesn't have a problem in the world he is the guy from drive yeah always yeah, and even in Drive, I was like, this guy doesn't really have a problem. He just likes violence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess is a problem. Right. Unless you're in that movie and you need to save Christina Hendricks. Or right. Well, he doesn't woman. try to say He saves Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Christina yeah, Hendricks right. is trying to get him. That's right. That's right. That's right. I got those confused. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's all good. Uh, but, like, yeah, I, I just... I keep asking, like, how much longer are we going to have to keep watching all this stuff? But enough people keep watching all of those things that justify keep doing, like, reboots and stuff. And I just hope that, like, there's so there's such a small window for, like, like legitimate studio releases that are completely original, you know? Yeah. Well, it's good that they're getting on, the Daniels are getting an opportunity to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's what you hope for in the business is that, like, creative people get mm-hmm. their control of their creative input, like um, yeah. Abbott, Abbott Elementary right? with uh, Quinta. Quinta Brunson. Yep. Um, or even, like, you know, Chelsea Peretti has a movie out that mm-hmm. they gave her control of. Right. Yeah. That's great. Even, like, you know, a, the, the, the biggest movie that's, like, kind of independent or like an independent auteur movie with nope mm-hmm. i feel like they're giving them people the people chances but sometimes it just has to it has to break even for the corporate right daddy <laughs> yeah i just i i do think that there is a lapse in like you know if you really loved or believed in this like weird thing like you could figure a way to market it i feel like some execs just give up on that idea yeah, especially for media like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody wants the Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. but um, you know that's like incredibly easy to market because it's right. a play on something that everybody has seen in Back to the Future, right? But like something that's really like kind of off the wall, right? Like even w- how they were like marketing Joe Para talks to you, mm-hmm. and I fucking love that show, right? I was like, this doesn't really match up. Right. with what you're getting from the show. No. No, yeah. it doesn't. Um and it's strange on the other end of that. There's so much money goes into marketing for like stuff that doesn't really need it. 
any Star Wars release, any MCU release. Yeah. And to anyone who says like, oh, oh no, th- there needs to be awareness. That- no, 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 no. Whenever Beyonce drops like an album, she like doesn't really do a lot of lead up to it. Yeah. But everybody listens to it. Mm-hmm. So. And it gets pa- like you have a longer tailwind yeah. of like actually people like organically talking about it to their right. friends. Right. I mean, that's like, uh, like Louis C.K. when he mm. was uh, not a sex offender. Yeah. Uh, he like everybody knew Louis C.K. because mm-hmm. everybody just talked like it was on Netflix, but right. everybody just talked about it right. in this very like, you know too vocal way where they were like in love with this guy oh sure who was doing this thing that had that hadn't really been done before right 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 uh this land on comedy mm-hmm. um also one of the worst times in comedy was 2012 mm-hmm. after hilarious came out mm-hmm. and was popular and every dad would just go up on stage being like my fucking kids suck <laughs> and i was like Okay, be a better dad, dude. <laughs> yeah. Actually show up. Like, right. what the fuck are you doing? Absolutely. Yeah. Pieces of shit. Yeah, love your wife. I, I was, Yeah, I was like 21 being like, oh my God, I hate this guy. Yeah. I actually checked somebody the other night where they're, you know, we're, we're trying to sign up at Third Wheel at the Midnight Mike. And uh, he's like looking at his watch and he's like, oh, I think I got to get back to the old ball and chain. And I'm like, you mean you're very like loving and supportive yeah. and like attentive ball and chain? Uh-huh. That's probably, you know, gives you a lot of slack. Yeah. Yeah. For you're like, oh, yeah, no, she's great. She's amazing. Yeah. I love her so much. <laughs> Just weird. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in comedy is a bad man. <laughs> Also, it's like if you want to be like um, uh, kind of mm-hmm. poking and mm-hmm. um, in that way, you got to find a more exact right. language to speak on it with. Right. Because you're, you know, you're going into uh, stuff that's already been done. Ball right. and chain has existed since like the right. 1940s. Oh, yeah. It's so there. I don't know. It's just even like. I don't know if I even call it a bit so much as like there's some things that Burr does that it's it's just like like prescriptive comedic advice or no like advice that is somewhat comedic. But he was like telling women how like all you have to do to like make a man like just melt or like get them to do whatever you want if you're in a heteronormative relationship is just like on a random day, especially if they're doing manual labor, just make them a sandwich. Yeah. And like that, he painted such a picture that if you know what his wife looks like, I just imagine Bill like crying, <laughs> the receiving a sandwich. Yeah, he does. I mean, whenever anybody shows him affection, mm-hmm. he is like really, you know, a softy. Oh yeah. So I get it. Yeah. But everybody's like that. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting in seeing the side that has come out with him having kids. Yeah, and just like also not being, you change a lot when you're not like going through it and mm-hmm. like impoverished by your art and stuff like right. that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah less and usually it's for the better. Yep. Absolutely. Next news story. Uh, sitcom. Everybody still hates Chris is going to come back, but in a reimagined 
animated. That's great. Chris Rock needs more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, he's going through a lot. Yeah, that slap. Yeah, that slap. Mm. Give him a couple mil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, before that, he was turned down by Rihanna. That's what I remember from the special. <laughs> yeah. Man. I got good things to say about Chris Rock. I got bad things to say about Chris Rock after personal experience with the man. Oh, yeah? But one of the funniest people on planet Earth also. Yeah, of course. You know, I, 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 Tambourine, I thought, was legitimately very funny. Yeah, very yeah. funny, very heartfelt. Yeah, in a way that we hadn't seen. And I felt like so much of Chris Rock prowling on stage uh, painted this persona of this, like, unbreakable invincible guy and then yeah he was he was more himself and human the uh if you're an open mic person and you're mm. talking about the culture please stop but <laughs> if you're chris rock and you're talking about the culture mm-hmm. the funniest thing i've ever seen yeah. in my life yeah like taking like little nas x jokes mm-hmm. like you know pop culture stuff that's right. like bright and observant right that i mean you don't get unless you've like you right. know been kind of famous and right. know the person and kind of know the people that they're around right 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 and you just you just don't get that unless you're like you know a millionaire at 22 like chris right. he he had one of the sharpest observations i i never and it's so so small but he um he was talking about lost in translation and when mm-hmm. he saw it he's like oh that's like what it's like to be famous black in america yeah yeah yeah, very much so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of lo- a lifelessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, everybody loves you, but it's like they love a facsimile of you. And they want you to be this ultra cool thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is the bad thing about Dave Chappelle right now. Because mm-hmm. he's really leaning into that right. cool guy, mysterious type thing. Yeah, and where... Which sucks. Every comedian is a dork. You have to be a dork to be a comedian a little bit. Yeah, and I wish that Dave was like, it, it was like like Chappelle's show Dave where he was scrawny. Yeah, not, um, skinny Dave. Yeah, skinny Dave, not this buff dude. Yeah. That's like also why Joe Rogan is because it's like not funny to me is because there's no like, uh, like even artifice of I'm not winning. Like right. he's always winning. Uh-huh. The argument that anything that he's engaged with. Right. Yeah, it's like, you know, you got to be a little, even if you're not, like, you got to be a little bit, like, low right. on the totem pole. Right. There's a, even, like, there's a there's a um, dash of self-deprecation with Natasha Legero. Big time. Yeah. Especially, I love her podcast yeah, that yeah. she does with Nathan, or with the... Yeah, Nathan Mosher. Mm-hmm. No, not Nathan Mosher. No, Moshe Kasher. Moshe Kasher. Nathan Mosher is a very different man. Yes. Um, Moshe Kasher. Nathan is on a path to. I think he wants to do Edinburgh now. Yeah. 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 I. I can't. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about that. It just. Makes, <laughs> yeah. But uh, with sure. Moshe Kasher yeah, and yeah. Natasha, uh-huh. the. I mean, what a, a very nice, but also like very self-deprecating podcast on right. both of their ends. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I definitely think they like push each other to like higher creative limits Mm -hmm. in a great way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, you gotta get out. I got, I got, I got like maybe half an hour more. Okay. Yeah. We're, we, we're, we're coming into like a a descent here on the, on our flight on this podcast. Okay, great. Uh, 
Yeah, so Chris, everybody hates Chris is going to get an animated version that will air on Paramount uh, Plus and Comedy Central. Um, and yeah, I mean, a streaming I, platform I will never subscribe to. Yeah, that Peacock. Once you're out of the big four, I'm like, I don't. Got what enough. are the big four? Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, HBO Max, okay, yeah, and Hulu. I agree. Yeah, I concur. But Paramount Plus, Peacock, Pluto TV. Pluto TV is um, free though, and you don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to sign up for anything. I thought it was five bucks a month. I'm not. No, no. Well, regardless, I'm not giving them the, my email. Um, you don't have to give them your email. Really? You can just go to Pluto TV and just watch. Wow, what it's a just, game it, changer! It's just ad supported. Movie. I'm not subscribing to movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm not subscribing to two V. <laughs> yeah. Free V. I'm not subscribing to free V. Roku. Roku Premium. No. <laughs> Um, there's a few other ones that right. I'm also not I mean, there's AMC to. Plus. Yeah, man. <laughs> I Mad Men is one of my favorite shows of right. all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it really is one of the most like because I love rich people being assholes. Sure. What a fun time. Right. Um, when that guy gets too drunk and throws up, when Roger gets too drunk and throws up the oysters mm-hmm. on, at the top of the stairs after having, because the elevator is broken. Mm-hmm. One of the best bits in like a dramatic show yeah. I've ever seen. Cause mm-hmm. it's like this higher up guy mm-hmm. who, you know, still succumbs to being a fucking human being. Right. Absolutely. Guy who gets his foot chopped off in the lawnmower accident. Right. And everybody is so shocked right. and it's but it's still funny to some people. Yeah. Great office environment. Absolutely. Yep. Well the so solu- oh, uh, the yeah. solution is well I mean we're going to have to do cable again. It's just instead of 700 channels, it'll be 40. Yeah. Yeah. Because we actually only watch 40. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I mean it's so funny that like OAN was trying to get like liberals to like talk to Viacom and right. Verizon right so they don't get thrown off the yeah, yeah. the platform the cable but platform But they did. They did. Yeah. Yeah, what a bunch of idiots. What a bunch of fucking morons. Uh speaking of which do you know what the uh, Babylon Bee is? Yeah, uh, for, unfortunately, I do know what the Babylon Bee is. <laughs> for those, for the listeners that don't know, what do you think? Ba- or get, uh, introduce them to it. The Babylon Bee started out as a corny version of the Onion for but conservatives. I don't think it's even started out as really. I think it started out as like kind of religious and hokey, but I think in the last like post-Trump era, they really saw that all of the, like, Christian and especially people that like them, Christian-type mm-hmm. people who were sharing their videos were, like, getting on this, like, kind of right-wing train. Right. So they really followed suit yeah. and kind of drove down that pathway of, like, right. abortion is a fucking myth perpetrated by the Biden and the liberal establishment as yeah. good for women, but really... It's bad for women because women are God's creatures and they shouldn't kill another God's creature in their womb. Mm-hmm. These type of fucking hokey bullshit right. takes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, now that they saw, like, Kavanaugh and right. Amy Coney Barrett as, mm-hmm. like, God-like figures oh, God. a- adhere to, like, this, like, propagandized version of, Wonderful. You know, a, of bullshit puns. Right. right. 
And all of their things are fucking puns. Yeah. It's my one of my dad's favorite places for comedy. Oh, really? Yeah. That's but awful. my dad is such a walking set of contradictions because he yeah. also loves Eddie Izzard. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Dude, Eddie fucking rules. Eddie rules. It's so funny. So I'm like work out his hour uh-huh. and it's just like, you know, magnificent. It's I almost think. unfair that Eddie, she's that funny and like it runs marathons whenever she feels like it, has managed a soccer team, like yeah. ran for public office. Mm-hmm. Only comic that does their act in more than three languages that I'm aware of. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, f- a couple of Europeans who do that. And then like, you know, Tom Segura does his bit of this act in yeah, like but two in different Spanish, languages. But like Eddie will do it in English, French, French Spanish, yeah, Spanish, Mandarin and German. German. Yeah. 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 A true like a true auteur. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 uh, she's bananas. Yeah. Yeah. It's OK. It's it's new. I always, you know, I always, you know, <laughs> a little faux pas on my part it's it the thing is it, it there is like an adjustment period but it's not going to take like a year i feel like people that decry uh pronouns or people transitioning like oh it's so hard if you focus for two weeks you yeah. get it yeah it's not hard how do, how'd you how'd you live this long and like you can't do this i just you know i have uh-huh. all of these memories of this person as a different person right right so right. it takes me a little bit of a adjustment period also yeah to no, get, I get into, it you know i i had sure that they're comfortable thank goodness i had fifi dosh on the the podcast yeah. a long time ago and thank goodness i listened to her podcast before i had her on because i knew fifi as a guy yeah, and i dosh. and i didn't know <laughs> what they sounded like until i listened to them on their own podcast i'm like oh and so it wasn't it wasn't jarring yeah yeah but yeah, it was there was a bit of adjustment. There's always a bit of an adjustment. Yeah. But I think you know everybody has to be aware of that. There's like a little, especially yeah. if you knew this person for years right. prior. Right. I got uh, I got one new story, and then I want to ask you one last question. Is that cool? Uh huh. Um. So in a recent interview, uh, Kenan Thompson said that 50, the fiftieth season of SNL would probably be a great place to stop, especially since Lorne Michaels will be in his eighties. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't really know that the show should really continue without him or, you know, at least under its banner. Blow it up. Yeah. How would you blow it up? Um, You give uh, somebody who's a star their own show and kind of the same way that they did it in mm-hmm. in the 70s. It's right. like they have this like triumphant group right. of people mm-hmm. um, kind of take over or they can have like, you know, your Tina Fey's or your. Mm-hmm. Amy um, Polar's, right. you know, kind of adjust the show right. and take control of it in like a ma- more managerial sense, right? Um, and kind of blow it up that way, right? I thought that what that said that's what they were gonna do, right? Like during the kind of Will Ferrell years, right? right. But then I, he like just transitioned into being the biggest star on earth, right? And then creating Funny or Die, and then yeah, yeah there's a whole other path to that. I I've thought for the last few years that it was just going to go to Mulaney. Yeah, that I, I had that thought too. Like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because you know Mulaney is the funniest stand-up. And I feel like there's a lot of high-concept ideas that aren't really worth an hour, but like he, they're just high production value. I don't think they fit anywhere else other than SNL. Um, I you know I love SNL, like. 
nowadays I, I'll watch a sketch if it's really big. Right. But I don't watch this show because I don't really watch any shows sure. like that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, if they gave it to somebody who's, like, really, you know, a good comedian, mm-hmm. that would make a lot of sense because Lauren Michael – and they have good taste in other comedians. Right. And Lauren Michaels had good taste in improvising. You know how they uh, they should really blow it up? How's and, that? And this is just long overdue for this person because they're, like, perfect for the show. Give give the reins entirely to James Adomian. Yeah, that would be really funny. Yeah. But, I mean, James is so, like, subvertive. Yeah, I know. It doesn't, I don't think it would make sense. It would be really going back to the past. Yeah, which is what like the SNL SC, I want. Yeah, that SCTV SNL from, yeah. like, the 80s yeah. and 70s was really subvertive. Yeah. Like, it was really, you know, trying to take on power. Yeah. But. Yeah, the idea of, like, I don't know, <laughs> Adomian and James Austin Johnson trading impressions, that'd be great. Yeah, that would be really spectacular. Yeah. Um, okay, one last question and we'll wrap it up here. Uh-huh. So I po- got a question for you. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how does it feel to be on top of the world? <laughs> if this is what the top of the world feels like, oh boy. No, how does it feel to be like the person who like was kind of the carrier for a lot of like people who started out and mm-hmm. like uh the shows that kind of started out. Right. Cuz I mean, when I first started, it was like you were the only per- – it was like you and Bad Slava, which is right. a horrible website right, right, right. for, like, finding how to do comedy. Yeah. And also, like, the instructions of how to do comedy and, right. like, good podcasts right, right, right. and stuff like that. Yeah. How does that feel? I mean, it feels better now. It yeah. felt very dark and foggy and fuzzy for a lot of the last two and a half years. Uh-huh. Uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Nobody wants to promote Zoom shows. Yeah. Nobody wants to do Zoom shows. I'm uh-huh. sure it's hard to promote Zoom shows as it's, well. Yeah, but it was like the only thing we had. Well, yeah. I mean, I knew where all the in-person stuff was, but for a long time I wasn't going to promote that. Also, I did want to ask you as a side question, like, did you have any feelings about um, when the store did shows behind the doors? Oh, I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. I it, saw people doing it. I was like, all right. This is like, like a zoo exhibit. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and it was just like not entertaining. Right. Because to be entertaining at stand up, you have to engage with people right. in a closeness. Right. Uh, and that's like, you know, when you're behind a fucking exhibit wall. Right. Does that make sense? In a manner of speaking, to answer your question, it does feel, in a word, good. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's a little more complicated and nuanced than that. I mean, like, you know, am I as financially solvent and influential in a very direct way as, let's say, Howie Mandel? No. Yeah. Well, and who is? That Canadian bastard has everything. I know. Chappelle. Another store guy. <laughs> yeah, Chappelle. Yeah. But, like, I was just thinking, you know, I was in the running for being, like, part of the AD team at UCB in its return, and I was also in the running for, like, being a booker for New Faces at JFL. Mm-hmm. Neither of those things happened. Yeah. Which. Oh, y- my God. The way that they do. Mm-hmm. This is not a criticism of the thing, because I would like to get booked on it. Sure. Uh, of the festival. But the way that they do the auditions for the festival. Oh, yeah. Bananas. It's the stupidest thing. I 
like I can't imagine giving that much power mm-hmm. to um, a room that does not deserve that much power because right. it's a bad right. room to do comedy in. Right. I I mean, if anyone at JFL is listening, I earnestly what you need to do is what I mean, what you've needed to do for a long, long time. And I feel like the way that they do auditions is predicated on this idea that, you know, they want to see comics in certain scenarios. But if you are an ardent watcher of comedy, if you're a true like in your bones scout. Yeah. You can see somebody in one or two different sets uh, without it being a showcase. And you can pretty well gauge where they're at, yeah. Where, where they're at. Even if they're kind of bombing, like, you just know. Um, just spend most of the year unannounced going, watching people around the country and around the world, and then you just pick those people off of that. Yeah, I don't know, because I, I wouldn't want them to just commit that much. Mm-hmm. That's like a basketball scout, and those guys have Well, but JFL's that big, though. They, it is really big. Yeah. I understand so, that. Yeah. But uh, even if you just, like showcased in a different way that mm-hmm. like got a big crowd there right you would be able to differentiate what's like a good set and what's a bad set right and because i was up there we they did some in the bella room and mm-hmm. it would just be like a bunch of comedians like eight comedians or ten comedians in front of like agents managers right. the people that the agents and managers brought right and the- it's like in that room you're just like toast yeah historically the worst audience yeah in fact, I think one of the stories that people remember of Brody the most, I think it was told by John Roy of like, I think it was like some industry showcase or something like that. And he just roasted all the agents and he killed. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of one Brody. One of one. Yeah. Absolutely. So I didn't get in on a, either of those things. However, like I, I'm like an integral part of Vulture's community. You should, you should and will know list. I'm actually the reason why it's called that because they want to call it the community. You should know list. And I'm like, well, there's like a big thing in Chicago that branched out to LA and New York that's been existed for a long time. So you, you probably shouldn't call it that. Yeah. I'm like, fine, we'll add two words. And, um, no, I, I like there. I, I feel like good that I, I, for all the time that I put in and like all that I watch and I do that I, I I feel, I think what feels good is that I'm like an integral part to the art form and the scene. Sure. You know, and and that's what feels good. I I would love to make more money doing what I do Uh and not have to like be so sort of grounded and focused and not like uh, get anxiety over like, you know, living check to check. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I the art form feels like, I mean, even more than I mean, because it's a community too. It feels like home to me, and and I feel like I am actively helping people also make it feel like a home to them if that's yeah. what they want. That's important in uh, any like field that you go into, mm-hmm. but especially in comedy, is like. You have to, you're going to have to help other people before you help yourself. Right. Uh, in, you know, and that can be by like running shows, right. helping out with promotion, right. being a producer, mm-hmm. these type of things. Right. Which is not something that I did at all. I did comedy just for myself and it really worked out. But <laughs> I am not a right. good, um, there have been people who are much more successful than me right. who have done all those things. Sure. And, um, 
uh, it helped them immensely sure. in their career and their opportunities. Uh, you know, you have the opportunity to be like an elder statesman when you get big. Yeah, yeah, m- yeah, maybe. You can do one of those things where you present specials for people, just yeah. attach your name to things. Yeah. Well, also, it's like I I do that in my own way where it's mm-hmm. like if I see opportunities, right. I really give them to people who I think deserve them. Right. But, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm too, I got, I got too much, uh, neuroses to do any of that other sure. stuff. I mean, I mean, Gerard's an incredibly neurotic guy, but like yeah. for a long time before Nathaniel, he was just EPing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which was smart on his part. Oh yeah. Which is why he can do that joke about like <laughs> his, his being, um, kind of like just upset at his brother having a difficulty accepting that he's gay when he makes so much less money than him. <laughs> Millions. Really funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What was what, what was the last question? The last question, um how so Potluck is back at the store every the, Monday, seven o'clock. The the open mic at the comedy store. Is it working the same? How is it these days? Sign up Friday from noon to one. You email in there's a Instagram post about it. Mm-hmm. Um I don't do potluck anymore because I'm a door guy. So I don't know the exact in and outs. It's more random Mm -hmm. now. So fairer. Than when it started. Yeah. Wink. Yeah. But which was random. Wink Uh again. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a lot of people showcasing um, in front of the booker who is there all the time. Right. And that's good because you get to see what your capabilities are. Right. And some people are very capable. Is it three minutes? It's three minutes. Yeah, okay. You get a light. It's You get a packed out OR. There's right. always 120 people in the room right. to watch you. A lot of, like, you know, great comedians who are watching in the back. Right. Um, and it's just like... The store is a very nice place to hang out right now because there are people who are good, genuine people. Sure. Uh, And it didn't always used to be like that. No. Um, I was very – that's one of the reasons I didn't hang out at the store before I got the job was because it was this fearful place full of uh, not degenerates but certainly people who were like not kind – no. to new comics no um so it's a it's a much nicer place you'll probably see somebody who you know right at the store right and also it's like if you're a comic and you're trying to be funny you have to be funny in three minutes yeah like there's no ramp up no in if you're actually being like uh, a good comedian you got to kill immediately mm-hmm. that's one of the lessons that i had to learn sure from a lot of people who gave me that kind of advice right so uh, mm-hmm. you know oh like come showcase yourself i did that a lot before mm-hmm. i got the job there i sure. auditioned seven times wow. in front of adam mm-hmm. and so you know people kind of knew me and they kind of knew right. what i was about so right. like go there hang out mm-hmm introduce yourself to people it always helps to be friendly and kind right and have something to say um because you know for a long time i felt like i didn't have a lot to say and then it kind of you know it builds into uh a a more genuine point of view when you do express yourself right well then that's part of finding your voice yeah definitely um you know certain people disagree with me on uh, or like about the timing of it. When should people go to potluck? 
Um, show up. You got to check in if you're on the list no, 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 at six thirty. No, not not that. Like point at you in doing comedy. Oh, I mean, you could go like a couple months into comedy and really bomb, or because you will. You probably like more. Everybody thinks they're an outlier. You're the Malcolm Gladwell lied to you. That's <laughs> he did. Not, yes, he did. It's not true. He wasn't talking about comedy. He wasn't talking about comedy. Um, you probably will bomb, but you can get the experience of like, oh, that didn't destroy me. Right. And that's important in right. life. Right. Is to know that like a a thing that's kind of nobody will know. Yeah. Unless you say like the N word on stage. Yeah. Nobody that, will remember that. Yeah. That's the there's this projected fear of comedians, uh, especially in L.A. and New York. Oh, they get worried that they'll be seen too early. Yeah. That's and, like the old Chris Rock thing of yeah. like you can never be seen too early. You can, no, 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 no. And like that's unless fake. you personally offend the booker or whoever you're specifically trying to impress, like they don't care. Like if you do bad, you know, like whatever they'll. And they it. also won't remember you. No, because they got a, a bunch of other stuff going on. Yeah. Everybody has so much other stuff going right. on. In fact, for you to be remembered, you have to kill so many times in front of them. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, all right, I'll waste energy remembering who this person is. Yeah, even like Cooper Lydon, who's one of my good friends and oh, adore Cooper's guy so funny. now. He's so funny, yeah. but I met him at eighteen, mm-hmm. and it took me like a long time of like seeing what he's about mm-hmm. understanding like his style mm-hmm. and like understanding who he was as a person right. in order for me to understand him right like better and you know yeah. and some people are you know less judgmental right. and right. stuff like that but right so it's worth it to go but what when um i say like there there are people who go when they're nine years in right um there are people who go when they're six years in mm-hmm. it's like you know, you kind of know if you're getting laughs and you're like at a point where it makes sense for you. Right. Um, but it, it always and it always makes sense to show up. Sure. Even if you're like a little bit anxious about it. Right. So there's a freedom to that. Right. Just know that there's a freedom to showing up. Right. Well, I I also I I haven't I mean I'm 12 years in and I don't think I've ever tried to even do potluck. Yeah. But it's more like. It's such an investment of time. Yeah, it takes like a couple hours. You have to park and it's that, awful. And like, well, before like this system, bucks. you had to show up and put you your had name. to show up in person at like five o'clock, and there would be like a hundred and seventy people on the patio. Yeah, just like packed out trying to get their name on the list. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, system. But um, now it's a little bit more like randomized, and you don't have to like show up to the place. Yeah. Which was always a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like, of course, like people who are in the scene and who like have stuff who like, you know, after you're, after you're like known, Mm -hmm. you can do friends and family if like the club likes you. Right. And you get a lot of recommendations from people. And like, and that's like Chris Estrada went up. Right. He, he has a Hulu show. Yeah. That's coming out on August 16th. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, okay. This is a, an immediate, like, yes. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to put him into the system. Yeah. I think almost every paid regular at the store would vouch for Chris. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, you know, even Bobby Lee came up to him and dapped him up and, like, was like, you're on the right track. Right. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just makes a lot. Of, Steve Fury was saying the same thing because Steve is, like, just knows comedy mm-hmm. and knows kind of who the big dogs are. Oh, sure. 
Um, an amazing comic, also Steve Fury. Like yeah. really, like uh, a, an energy guy, a momentum guy, a guy you want to drink with, and right. that gets you so far. Sure. In you know right. being hilarious on stage and being like Runs a genuine guy on off stage. The most noted show in Long Beach. That's right. Bear City. Bear City. Wednesday at Quesara. Um. Well, it has been a lovely time, Alex. Always great to see you. Jake, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Glad I got a tour of your apartment. Yeah, you're one of a handful of people that have. You got to get rid of some of the shoes. Yeah, why? Because it's just taking up too much space. Yeah? You, I don't know how. He has literally 2,172 pairs uh-huh. of shoes yeah. stacked up in boxes. Some are on the ceiling, nailed right. up to the ceiling. Right, right, right. And I go, why? You're never going to wear those shoes that are nailed up to the ceiling. I know that they have a lot of monumental mm-hmm. notoriety for you. Right, right, You've got to get rid of some of them. Yeah, I mean... And I didn't mean to confront you at the end of this podcast. It's okay. I mean, but I, people won't be as impressed on Zoom anymore. That's, like, the thing that's... Oh, sure. Yeah. That's, hey... You're like Jesus and Mero. Yeah. yeah. I change them around all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, is it color-coordinated differently now? Uh-oh. Yeah. Spicy. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people find you online, Alex? Uh, I'm online on Instagram and Twitter at AlexHanna underscore good. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a weekly show every Wednesday at 1030 in the belly room. It's a bunch of door guys. Yeah. We try to do new material. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's good. <laughs> and sometimes it's better. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a good show. We usually, We pack it out like every week. And, is um, it called the thing? It's Door called guys? the. It's called Up Next. Oh, Up Next, yeah, yeah. Oh, up Next good at the Comedy Store every Wednesday at ten thirty. Yeah, and then you know I open for a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Open up the you know shows at the Comedy Store. Right. So I'm always around. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't want to you know, you know I'm getting stuff, so it's you know I'm pretty comfortable right now. Yeah, go watch um, go watch Alex because he's living la vida loca. I hate the current trend of Instagram reels. So mm-hmm. if I post an Instagram reel, just know that somebody forced me into it. Got it. Right. Have you seen some of those? Yeah, no, I feel like uh, people are doing it. I feel like people are going up and doing sets now just like fishing for anything. And <sighs> and they won't even put up like a, like a bit. They'll just like put up a crowd interaction. Yeah, it's like, hey, dumb guy, what an idiot. And then everybody goes, ha, ha, ha. And, then and I'm it. like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> regardless of that, Alexana Good on Instagram and Twitter. Absolutely. If I get three followers from this, I'll Venmo you all three bucks. Oh, wow. Thank wow. you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I am Jay Kruger. I create the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Instagram at NotTheSupermarket, on Twitter at MFJKroger. There's so many good causes to support this time. Uh, please support those. And if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau. Because I would like to keep running for uh, another almost 12 years. Um, do you have anything to say as we sign off here? Hey, we love comedy. 
at the we end of do. the day. We do. I think you. I think all of the listeners who made this to the point, yeah. it, it made it to this point, mm-hmm. also love comedy. Oh, yes. And the intricacies of the East Side scene mm-hmm. and the malign that you get uh-huh. from doing it year <laughs> after year. Uh-huh. It never stops. The grind never stops. The grind never stops. But, you know, you could be Hannah Einbinder and Emmy nominated. Man, what a sweet... <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. would be nice. Yeah, Dude, born and raised in the East Side, should I say? <laughs> yeah, well, she's a West Side person. No, West Side. I mean, comedy wise. Yeah, comedy wise. Yeah, yeah. I had a great time. Thank you. Com- live comedy, comedy of all kinds, is happening. Please go watch and. It's support. in a good place. It's in a healthy place. Unless you're a person who sees something and they don't like it, and then I. I get it. Go watch something else. Go watch something I, else. Is what I, you don't have to subject yourself to that. Yeah. Uh, and as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. Hell yeah. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.